Heavenly Father, even when it seems like we're in the middle of the ocean all by ourselves and we have nowhere to go and we're struggling to keep our eyes above the water, you are there. You're there because you've never failed us and you're not going to start now. We praise you for that. In your name. Amen. You be seated. So today we're going to wrap up this series on loving God and loving people, where we've talked a lot about God's love, about the example that Christ has set for us, and, and quite frankly, the difficulty in loving others in the midst of sin and brokenness. Today, we're going to tie it all together by looking at the permanence of love and the importance of sowing love into the world around us. And as, as an example of this love-filled posture, I want to share a story of one of the most selfless and loving people of our time, Mother Teresa. I read a story that, that this is a quote from a person who met her. It said, during my first encounters with Mother Teresa, I was struck by her profound humility. I knew that she was world famous, and I had imagined that all famous people have a sense of their own greatness, a pride that shows through in their words and their manners. There was none of that in Mother Teresa. There was an apparent selflessness in her, a quality that's not easy to find even in non-famous people. It was as if she was totally unaware of herself, as if she was aware only of God and of others. I had never met anyone in my life as humble as Mother Teresa. She was as humble as the poor who we would be lifting up out of the gutters. Her humility was strikingly beautiful to me. Mother Teresa embodied so many other qualities as well, qualities that are all too rare in the world today. Humble, kind, caring, compassionate. Qualities Mother Teresa shared with others and also qualities that we are called to share with others as we follow Jesus' example. What, what we haven't discussed yet in this series is the eternal impact our choices have on others and the importance of keeping a long view of love and of the gospel and of the redemptive work of Jesus. In week one, we, we took a look at the greatest commandment shared by Jesus. When confronted by the Pharisees, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Is it possible? Is it possible that Jesus simplified the commandments to help us to stay focused on what matters the most? Maybe he was trying to get our energy fixated 
on one of the few things that will last throughout all of eternity. Now, many are familiar with the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, if you've ever been to a wedding, chances are you've probably heard it, at least some part of it quoted or referenced. It's, it's a powerful passage with deeply insightful truths about love. And in the second half of that chapter, the Apostle Paul says something amazing about love, which is pertinent to what we're going to spend our time on today. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love never fails. All the prophecy, all the tongues, all the knowledge, they will fade away. See, these are the spiritual gifts that the Corinthian church was magnifying. The context here is affirming that all spiritual gifts will stop, but love will never stop. Spiritual gifts are a part of time, not necessarily eternity, but love is eternal. We've got to be careful not to apply too much emphasis on the things that won't last. The Corinthian church was all wrapped up in spiritual gifting to the detriment of their call to love one another. What things do we apply too much emphasis on in our own current church culture? What things are we focused on, possibly to the detriment of Jesus' command to love God and to love people? Is there something that you've put too much emphasis on and a focus on in your past? For me, it's numbers, statistics. You see, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. When I, you know, for the older people in the room, you may remember back in high school, they would have you take a test and it'd kind of tell you what you should do with your life. When I did it, it told me I should be an accountant or an engineer because I was good with math and, and science. The very bottom of the list had anything to do with talking in public, which is kind of ironic. Considering I'm standing up here, I'm a lawyer, and I'm a professor, all things that make me talk in public. But I didn't like math and numbers. But I'm good at them. And for a long time, probably too long, I've been focused on numbers and statistics. When I look at the church, what's our attendance? What's our tithe? What, what, what percentage of people give? What percentage doesn't give? I like those things. But I realized focusing on them sometimes was to the detriment of loving. The call to love as I've grown more mature has become louder and more prominent. For many of us, as we get older, 
And as we experience more in life, we realize that there's only a very few things that are truly important in our lives. We begin to see more clearly that the things in our life, the professions, the possessions, they're not truly as important as the people who are around us. And that clarity seems to be a bit of what Paul is describing here in 1 Corinthians 13. He compares what we are now seeing as a reflection in a mirror, which at the time of his writing would have been dim and imperfect. See, there are mirrors in the time of, this, of the Corinthian church. It's not like our mirrors. It was really just polished metal. And in fact, the Corinthian church was famous for their polished metal. They were the best available in that day and age, but it still reflected a distorted image. See, what we see and what we understand is a dim reflection of the divine reality. It's a gross understatement to say that there's still so much that we just don't know. And with that said, we can know that what God has revealed to us through his word, we can know that. Which brings us back to 1 Corinthians 13 with the, probably the most famous line, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul says that of these three things that will remain, the greatest is love. It's the greatest because these others will cease at the second coming of Jesus. Faith will turn into sight. We won't have to have faith that Jesus will come, that he exists, because we will be able to see him. Faith will become sight. And hope will have its fulfillment at the second coming. But love, love remains Love doesn't stop at the second coming. Love remains because it is the basic character of God. Love remains past all the other things because love is that basic character. It permeates his being and flows through all that he says and does. In fact, John, 1 John 4, 8 says this. He says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. When all else fades away, when nothing in this life remains, God will still be there. His love will still be there. And for us as, as believers, we trust by faith that, that we will get to spend eternity with God engulfed in that love. So this reality brings back to sharp focus the call and the command of Christ to love God and to love people. This is what matters. This is what will last above all other things. Love is as powerful a force in this world as you will ever find. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, we must discover the power of love. The power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world. 
We will be able to make men better. Love is the only way. How has the power of love impacted your life? Where have you seen redemption, forgiveness, and compassion? How well do you love others? See, if, if love is what really matters, if it's the greatest commandment, the greatest of even faith and hope, then, then I know there are a lot of us in this room today, a lot of people watching online who need to take a long, hard look at their priorities and their energies. We've got to think about what we are investing in the world around us. Do we have a posture of humility, of compassion, and grace? Or do we see the world with selfish and self-serving eyes, looking first and foremost at what we can gain and how we can build bigger storehouses for ourselves? Remember, what we see here and now is only a distorted reflection of the divine reality that we will one day get to experience. We walk by faith, not by sight, as we follow the example of Jesus, because he is our good shepherd. Now, many of us, probably all of us, have thought about love at some point in the course of our lives. We hear about it on the radio. We see it portrayed in movies. We say it all the time. I love their pizza. I love this song. But I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure we think about the primary place that love plays in the gospel. It was because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And as we learn today, God, in fact, is love. So it makes sense that Jesus would sum up all the writings of the law and the prophets by simply saying, love God and love people. It's a simple call. Even though it's a simple call, it's, it's as difficult as any instruction in its application and in its execution, but couldn't be a more simple command to memorize and to meditate on. So why is it so hard for us? Why is it so hard to put into practice loving God? and loving people. What can we do about it? What can we do to make it easier and to put it into practice in our lives? First, sometime today or maybe this week, take some time to make an honest inventory in your own life. Where do you see love at work in your life? How do you actively love God? How do you actively love others? And if, you, and if there's a deficiency there, in these areas, what are you going to do about it? Do you have unforgiveness inside of you hindering you from loving others? If so, what are you going to do about it? Second, take a look at where you spend your time, your energy, and yes, even your money. Does it align with the things that you say you love? Does it align with the two things that God has instructed us to love? And if not, consider some action steps this week. How can you more clearly bring love 
into alignment with your time, your energy, and your money. And then finally, if you haven't ever heard God loves you, maybe there's someone here today or somebody online who hasn't ever heard that God loves you. Or maybe you haven't actually accepted that into your life. Maybe you've heard it, but you've, you've never accepted the fact that God loves you just who you are, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter what you may currently be doing, he loves you. And let me tell you today that he does. He absolutely loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus into this world to live, to die, to conquer death, and then to rise again triumphantly. God loves you on your worst days, the same as he loves you on your best days. He even loves you if, you, if you've been actively ignoring him. Maybe even your entire life, even if you're angry with him, even if you're unconvinced that he is real, he still loves you. He still sent Jesus to die for you so that you could have those sins forgiven, so that you could have a relationship with him. This morning, as I get ready to close, I just want to give you an opportunity. If, if maybe one of those things applies to you, maybe you, you've been taking that honest inventory and you see that deficiency, or, or, or maybe what, you, what you're putting your time, energy, and money in isn't what God says we should do, or maybe you just have never accepted that, that God, in fact, loves you. If you want to make a commitment today, if you want to accept Jesus into your life and you want to say, yes, I know you love me, and I want to make that commitment back. Just stand today. Because God is love. And no matter what we say, no matter what we do, he loves us. Each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being consistent. Thank you for being persistent and being unfailing in your love for each and every one of us. Help us to love others as you have loved us. And help us to have a greater appreciation for the permanent nature of love in the divine story of eternity. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Help us to come to you and to surrender everything we have to your love. In your name.